0: Happy Friday, and welcome to The Wrap. I'm Laura Leslie, WRL Capital Bureau Chief.
1: And I'm Travis Fain, one of WRL's state government reporters. And it's
0: been a week. Started off with the State of the State Address by Governor Cooper on Monday night. Um, as you noted, quite scripted.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, there yeah was, which it normally is, I mean. Right, but there was one paragraph where, you know, he, he, he said, yep. And, and they, like, if you look in the... Uh, in the the, the, the script, it says yep. I mean, it's like it, you almost is it's like be folksy here, governor. Yeah. Be folksy.
0: Well, I thought it went okay, but I think as you also pointed out, it it didn't really. I mean, it kind of set a vision of we you know we're at a transitional time. We need to prepare for the future. Um, you know they they made they made these kind of changes in the past, like when they did RTP, etc. We need to have the same kind of transition coming out of this pandemic and recession. And well, well, it wasn't a recession, but okay.
1: Um, and take take the federal money we got from the pandemic and use it wisely yeah. set ourselves up to be the clean energy economy state for the next 30 years i mean the vision was there it it wasn't a very punchy speech i i don't know I, I, I perhaps i was expecting more for the governor's you know final state of the state speech but whatever i felt
0: like he well he did get to some things he told them to stay away from the the culture war bills right uh brought up hb2
1: right which right it
0: never fails to to induce some cringes Lots of lots of mad applause from Democrats. Not very much mad applause from Republicans. That's exactly what you'd think. But um, we did hear in both his address, in his address rather, and then and uh, Lieutenant Governor Robinson's response. Uh, both of them talked about the importance of expanding broadband. So at least we know there's one topic on which and Medicaid. Well, and then Medicaid as well. So we know you know there's a couple of things on which both parties are united.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the last. Ten years or so, where we are now, the bipartisan agreements on things are really, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, you can argue maybe it shouldn't take 13 years to get to the same place on Medicaid expansion, but we are at that place. Now, what Republicans make the Democrats swallow in the state budget in order to get Medicaid expansion? That's another question. We shall see, (laughs) because there will be things there. Uh, But, I mean, compared to previous years, they're working together a good bit.
0: Yeah, and I should mention childcare. That's another area right. where just yesterday we saw a press conference with um, three Republicans and a Democrat all talking about a proposal to come up with thirty three hundred million dollars, I think, right, uh, to help to backfill some federal funding that helped to boost childcare salaries. That's going to be expiring at the you know as the pandemic uh, is is waning.
1: That's so. right, and the, I mean, and the reason is is clear. The North Carolina Chamber was there too because this is now a problem. Or the bag. This is a problem for everybody trying to make money because they can't hire enough employees because the potential employees cannot get child care. So this is starting to mess with people's money. And so it's really important now. That is usually
0: when things come to a head, isn't it? It helps. It does help. Yep. <clears throat> anyway, so really interesting um, response from Robinson. Right. Um, very tempered.
1: Yeah, I, I I think I had said this is Mark Robinson reined in. He... he I assume, has decided that he would rather be the governor of North Carolina in two years than to sound like he's just, you know, you know what, posting on Facebook. You know, that, that that that's a better option to actually have a chance of being governor. Now, he also gave a – and the interesting thing about the state of the state response from him was he was saying the same things, espousing the same policies, but he was using different words. He wasn't well, calling a anybody a name, for example.
0: At a whole different tone and a whole different, even the body language. And this is, you know, we compared it. I did a story on Tuesday comparing it to um, a CPAC speech that he gave just two days before that on Saturday night. Um, completely just like two different worlds. Same right. same suit, same outfit, two different, completely different worlds. Um, you know, so I guess this is, you know, the question is which of these are we going to see on the campaign trail? If we do see him on the campaign trail, which we have no reason to think that we won't.
1: Right, i it, it, he's certainly clearly running for governor. I mean, he hasn't formally announced, but he's he calls all...
0: it the worst kept secret
1: in state. Well, yeah, and I think that I think that's probably a fair characterization. So, you know, what does he spend the next two years doing? Does he keep giving these fiery church speeches where he's just condemning all sorts of ranges of people that he doesn't agree with? Or is it more like what we saw Monday? And I'm assuming it's going to be more what we saw on Monday because that's more electable. And he's already got the primary. He's He's got to worry about the general elections, essentially, it seems like, got the got the primary sewn up. I'm sure there are a couple of Republicans who are thinking about running who don't want to hear me say that. But uh, that's what the polling says.
0: That's what the po- it's early yet, though. It is early. It is it early. It is very early. I will say there was one thing in the CPAC speech that caught my attention. And he talked about when you're doing what's right, when people are against you, even your own party turns against you. Right. And I was like, Hmm, okay.
1: Well, and I mean, that's all politics, right? I mean, of course, you're you're not going to agree with every, you know, parties aren't a monolith. No. You're always going to have people jockeying for position within them. I mean, no,
0: but there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, from people who are, you know, in the Republican sort of. Circles that there are concerns about whether or not Robinson can win a can right. win a, a general election, right? And so, you know, I just wonder what I wonder what was behind that. I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I sure. I'm sure there's a long, long story there. Yeah. Uh, we, we we shall see how that 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 advances. I'll mention very quickly. He was supposed to have a press conference on Thursday of this week about DEI diversity, is equity, equi- and equity inclusion. and inclusion in, uh, in healthcare. In healthcare, that got canceled. We don't know why. Uh, so I don't know if that is a message shift or just a timing thing. Could be could be either or something else.
0: Yeah. In the meantime, um, Medicaid is going to be on the Senate floor next week. One of many, many things that's going to be happening next week. Speaker Moore warned us on Wednesday after session that it was going to be a busy uh, busy week next week, and I think he's right. Uh, but um, you noticed that somebody put out a press release reversing themselves.
1: Yeah. So Ben Moss, who's uh, in the House and is running for labor commissioner. His
0: second term, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think he's in his second term, and, and he's really trying to boost his his, his uh, noticeability, I guess. His, his profile, name, yeah. His name recognition. <clears throat> he's putting out a lot of press releases with bills, uh, and he's been pretty strategic about, it, but it basically said, hey, I voted for the Medicaid bill when it was in the House. I'm going to vote against it when it comes back from the Senate uh, because, I, I quote, I care about health access in rural and underserved communities across the state. That's why I voted for it. But he's since found out that this proposal will have the opposite effect in rural areas in the long run. I don't. I, look, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody run for statewide office put out a press release to say, hey, I'm changing my vote because I misunderstood the most important policy decision of my career uh, on a topic that has been debated for more than a decade. So good luck uh, with that. I don't know who, who who spoke to him and said, you need to change it obviously Constituents back home, or something along those lines.
0: Well, there's a couple of folks who aren't super keen on this deal. One of them is, of course, the the advanced practice nurses who got left out of this. Right? Uh, They, you know, initially they were in the House version. They got taken out of it when it came through. So the con reforms are still in the the final version, but the Save Act is not. Uh, There's also AFP put out a press release opposing it.
1: Yeah, uh, Americans for Prosperity and John Locke are the two biggest kind of organizations I know of that are opposed to the Medicaid deal. I don't think the nurses are opposed to the Medicaid deal. They're upset they're not on that train. They're upset they're not in it, yeah. As as they should be. I mean, they were were left out uh, with those uh, changes to how advanced practice nurses are regulated in North Carolina.
0: Um, another big thing that happened this week, It was well, it was a big deal when it first came out, but right. um, it seems to have gotten smoothed over. You might remember Aaron Perret had filed a bill that would um, have basically really overhauled how Wake County elects its board of commissioners. And it would have made for seven members of a board, and they each had to be, would be elected from a district, and it would be nonpartisan races, which seems to be basically an admission that Republicans have a, problem, a branding problem in Wake County. Uh, but would also <clears throat> would also allow people to sort of flood the zone. You could end up with 20 candidates, right, and somebody can win with like 7% of the vote.
1: Right, because there's no threshold. You don't have to get 30%. You don't have to get 50%. Just there's
0: no primary. Yeah. Whoever
1: gets the most wins. And they, they, what, what, the compromise that was struck and is now we got – we in Virginia, we used to call this peace in the valley. We got peace in the valley on this bill uh, is – Nine members, seven of them will be elected from the districts. The districts already exist. Like if you're a Wake County Commissioner, you have to live in a certain district. You have to
0: live in a district, but you get elected county-wide, but that will change.
1: That will change to where you're elected within the district. And then come 2026, we add two members to the county commission, and those will be at large. So they'll be elected county-wide, and we'll go to nine members, and everybody seems to be fine with it now. And everybody. Oh, and they stay partisan, excuse me. They
0: stay partisan, right, and that was the thing that I think the Wake County Commissioners were most concerned about. Um, but they got on board with this. Um, they sent some folks over to, to say that we're on board with this, and so it went through with Neria a peep. In yeah, the, and so.
1: maybe we should say Aaron Paré is the only Republican uh, from in the White, Wake County delegation from Wake County in the legislature, and all the members of the county commission are Democrats, all seven.
0: In the meantime, we're learning a little bit more about the budget. The spending targets came out this week, although it sounds to me like the House released them before the Senate was really ready necessarily to release Uh-oh. them. But uh, but yeah, so they're looking at basically a 10, 10.5% increase over two years, which is really compared to what we've seen in the past. You know, there's been a lot of, especially from the Senate side, there's been a lot of push for what they call a Tabor level, which is, you know, your inflation plus your population growth. And, and having it capped at that. But this obviously goes well above that.
1: Well, and it, but infl- although inflation, I haven't well, done the math, you know inflation's been pretty doesn't. high. That's
0: right. Maybe and, it doesn't.
1: And look, there, there are some well-recognized salary issues. Every state agency basically is saying we are struggling to recruit and keep people because we cannot afford to pay what they can get and what good employees can get in the private sector. So I mean, it's six and a half percent in the first year to go to twenty nine point seven billion, and then an additional increase in the second year of the budget of three something percent, three point seven five percent. So we'll go up over that thirty billion mark. I assume this is just the state money and not obviously the federal money. But but I'm most interested in the one point eight billion sweetener by uh, that we get for expanding Medicaid. We get an extra one point eight billion from the federal government. I assume this is not calculated in there because that's one time money from the federal government. But, you know, we're riding high. Everybody, we, we, we got all this money coming in. We keep having surpluses. We had all that federal pandemic money that flowed uh, through the budget the last couple of years. So I, it, it makes sense. But I think it's going to go fast. Once you start giving people raises, uh, given the number of state employees, given the number of teachers, given the significant percentages you're going to have to do to make a dent there, this this money is is going to uh, to go quick. It's not going to last as mu- as long as you might think.
0: No, you know? it's you know just just yesterday I think it was what me it was Wednesday. Steve Troxler gave a uh, gave a talk to the Ag uh, the House Ag. Uh, Committee and, you know, asked again for more money for his department. You know, we've heard a lot about other departments, haven't heard so much about ag, but he said he asked for $8 million last year and they only gave him a million. He said it was just enough to piss everybody off. Right. 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 It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, he wants he says, I want my other seven, you know, and I think a lot of departments and agencies are probably in exactly the same place.
1: Right. He, he told a story about how he gave pilots raises because he was struggling to keep, uh, you know, they fly the planes that fight fires and whatnot. The right. Forestry Service needs planes for a number of reasons and he said "What well, the pilots got raises he kind of fixed that problem the mechanics got upset walked three hangers down at the airport they were working out of got mechanic jobs working on planes in the private sector for 30 grand more yeah so,
0: yeah the state's got to do something or else they're going to have to well i don't know i don't know what
1: they're going to do yeah we'll see i, I, I budget wise timetable uh senator Phil Berger told us this week that the house is expected to send a budget over to the to the senate in early april and on that timetable, the Senate should be ready by mid-May at the latest yeah, but to then release its budget.
0: But yeah,
1: sure. But I, I, I we're moving fast. This session yeah. is is moving fast, and I, legislative services did work this week. I was looking at bills yesterday, Thursday. More than sixty bills cycled up on the website on a Thursday. We, I, I think the budget is going to keep moving fairly quickly. I think there is confidence that we've got the money that we need, and. I, do are, do we care now about people's schedules and people's summer? Like, are we going to try to have vacations and not be in session all year long? Am I, am I setting myself up for disappointment? disappointment? Laura? Yes, you are. Yes, okay. you are. Well, it wouldn't be the first time.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I do. I, I this has been a trend over the last couple of years, though. I mean, I do give them credit for trying to recognize that this is a citizen legislature and it is a part time legislature, and they've lost some really good legislators on both sides of the aisle to the fact that you can't make a living. You know, the only way you can run, the only way you can take part in this body is if you're rich or retired for the most part, because you can't make a living around the timetables that they've been working under for many years. But they're trying really hard in the House this year to have Tuesdays be just a work day, committee work day, and then floor votes Wednesday and if needed, Thursday, you know, to just sort of cut out the Mondays and maybe cut out Thursdays where they can so that people can know the days that they really need to be here.
1: We mentioned that the governor in his speech, I think, called for double-digit raises for teachers. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is a member of the State Board of Education. I believe we mentioned on a previous show that they voted unanimously, so the lieutenant governor, a Republican, supported, raises of at least 10%. That would kind of seem to make 10% raises for teachers like the, the starting point for negotiations. But Kind of a not so fast this week from the Speaker of the House and, and from and
0: from Berger and yeah. from
1: Berger. They both basically said they're worried that large enough raises for teachers crowd out the raises they need to do at state agencies.
0: And state employees are already fuming because they feel like teachers have gotten a much better deal over the last few years than they have. They've gotten much bigger raises, and so it's that's a that's going to be a tough uh, balancing act for legislative leadership to figure out. I think.
1: Yeah, but they seem to be leaning kind of – I keep hearing from from Berger and Moore that the state employees, particularly in targeted areas – like the, the speaker mentioned community colleges as having a real problem. Right. Uh, particularly the people who train nurses because we've got nursing shortage. So nursing salaries go up. So why would you teach nursing if you can go be a nurse uh, and make more money? So I, I, I that seems to be the real focus is just these state employee salaries.
0: In the meantime, in court action, we should mention, um, the, 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 the NC Supreme Court uh, decided uh, – did we mention this last week, Leandro?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know about if we talked about Leandro. I, I, I'm thinking more about the uh, rehearings next week on voter ID and redistricting, although right. I don't want to talk about either one of them. I just want to note that that's happening next Right, week.
0: exactly. Well, the, but the Supreme Court also put a stop to uh, the order to disperse money. That's um, right, for yeah. For Leandro, and so it's not technically a rehearing, but it is at least bringing it back before the court. So that's three that have come up, which is basically more than reconsiderations have happened in the past thirty years. Is two, right? So that's a lot of going back. And I asked um, Senator Berger about that yesterday, and he said he feels that basically, you know, that they feel like what the court, what the court, the previous court did by speeding up cases by taking cases. Um, was politically motivated and was bad law. And so they feel like they are within their rights to go back and review it.
1: Yeah, because Democrats skipped some steps uh, when they controlled the court ahead of November because they knew they were going to lose control of the court to Republicans. Uh, and now that that has happened, the Republican court is going back and, and, right. and doing these things. So.
0: so anyway, the Supreme Court is not going to let the AG or the governor file an amicus brief um, in the hearings that are coming up. Uh, we got the voter ID, and as you said, on uh, this coming up this week as well. Is it Tuesday and Wednesday?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, It's yeah. the 14th and 15th, I believe. And then on the Leandro thing, just to, to circle back on that, wh- the way that got going again was the new state's new controller, who I guess writes the checks, uh, filed at the court and said, Hey, I'm still concerned right. that I'm about to do something illegal if I pay out all this Leandro money. Can you weigh in on that? And they said, No, don't. you, you, you shouldn't send that money. Now, the controller is new. It's Nels Roseland, I believe is mm-hmm. the name. Uh, appointed by Governor Cooper recently. Now, that is a confirmable – I can't remember if it's a Senate confirmation or a House and Senate confirmation, but either way, Republicans have to sign off on it. That's my point. But I would love to know, like, what sort of conversations did the governor have uh, with Mr. Roseland before he appointed him to this position? Because moving that Leandro money is uh, – that, that's got to be the biggest thing going in the controller's office is whether or not you're doing that. I, I Surely they talked about it, and then now – the the controller is saying, "Well, I don't I don't feel comfortable well, doing a, this." And that's
0: the same thing the last controller said.
1: Right, too. right. She but she filed this, for yeah. a
0: writ of mandamus, which is like this kind of archaic thing that says that you it says basically make this stop. You know, and he did the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but this guy was appointed like months ago, so yeah. I, I don't well, know. I'd lo- I'd love to have been a fly on the wall uh, for those conversations and the. Uh, kind of the, the fallout of them.
0: We've got our first two uh, veto showdowns, possibly, on the governor's desk, uh, two bills that the governor vetoed in past sessions, one bill that would um, increase penalties for rioting, which we covered a lot this week, uh, and then a bill that would um, basically make it easier for hotels to get rid of people who are living in them long term, at least to, up to a point
1: right. and the that bill passed the house eighty three twenty nine so veto proof majority mm-hmm. unless Democrats come home with the Governor if he vetoes it. The riot bill had six Democrats voting for it in the House, including a co-sponsor, Charlie so, willingham.
0: who was a you know, he's a he was a former d c police officer, right? so i I'm not sure what the governor's going to do about the riot bill
1: it, Roy Cooper is in a in a difficult and fascinating place right now because I can't remember who I heard saying this this week, but the sometimes when you get your first veto overridden, it opens the floodgates a little bit. Oh, yeah. And more and more vetoes happen. So you want to you want to guard against that. So do you let either of these bills become law without signing them and just kind of acknowledge – just take the L and, and and move on? But, I mean
0: – There's only so much political capital out there to spend. Right. Right. And, I mean, the way the governor went after Kirk Devere and got him <clears> – <throat> Uh, for working with the Republicans, but we have enough. I think. I think they're again going to, back to the flood the zone analogy. I think we've got enough Democrats that are you know kind of working with Republicans that they're thinking that the governor can't possibly come after all of them.
1: Right. Right. And so, so I mean, we'll see. Um, or he may just say, "Damn the torpedoes," because I mean, doing it's, it. at some point, if you think a bill it should not be law, and your governor, you veto it. Yeah. I mean, and, and the calculus doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, although there's always calculus in politics. But I, I think that's interesting. He's We may be about to see the, these first overturns, uh, and it really may change I just, the dynamic. I just have
0: a really hard time imagining – I could be wrong. I've been there before, but I have a really hard time imagining him trying to push people like Mary Wells Bodie, who voted for the anti-rioting bill, um, clearly because she's in a swing district. It's a very tight district. That includes some Wake County. You know, um, is he going to make her come back home? Well, to in the Senate, that? it won't matter because right.
1: it, she she could come back home and, and right. just have a vote against her. Uh, but in let's out, go, I let's guess, go but.
0: to Garland Pierce or Trisha Gotham or Michael Ray right. uh, or Shelly, Is he really going to make Shelley Willingham a sponsor? Um, try to vote against his, you know, to, to to let him veto his own bill. I mean, we'll see. That's a tough one. No. Yep. Anyway, um, also this week, uh, fascinating. This topic always fascinates me.
1: Oh, uh, you always want to talk about it. I do. I love it. I'm so fascinated <laughs> by this.
0: Um, so this is convention of states. This is the Article Five convention question, <clears throat> and you've probably heard about this. This is. It's what's fascinating to me is that it started back in the 70s, right, with a balanced budget amendment. <sighs> Oh, thanks, Travis. But it has sort of ping ponged around the fringes of both parties, right? Like Democrats were talking about wanting a Article 5 convention to get rid of Citizens United. Um, and then Republicans have been talking about it in terms of term limits, balanced budget amendments, and uh, limiting the federal overreach, however you want to read that. Right. Right. But suddenly it's become mainstream. Um, and I, I'm curious as to how that happened. I talked to Bob Phillips over at Common Cause, and he thinks it just has to do with some of the really kind of toxic partisanship, the divisiveness that's going on right now, that everybody's like, clearly our system isn't working, so we need to rewrite it.
1: Well, and it's all—it's uh, also been a very long time <clears throat> since we passed a constitutional amendment, right? So people look, uh, and I can't, I don't know what the date was, but I mean, it, it, the Congress can work to amend the Constitution as well. You don't really see that happening. People no. look at Congress and they say, "All oh, right, it's kind of dysfunctional, Let's do it ourselves. Uh, so I can understand that. I, both those bills did they pass the House this yep. week? Okay. So the, the Convention of States bill and the term limits bill, which both of which would attempt to amend the United States Constitution, pass the House. Senator Berger in the Senate says they could not reach consensus last year on these bills, and so they didn't go anywhere in the Senate. They have not discussed it this year, but they will. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'd kind of be surprised if the Senate. Voted to go with this, but. Well, you know. it was
0: interesting when you look at who voted against the bills. It was fascinating because you had a few folks on the far right. Uh, and a bunch of folks on the left who are voting against it, saying that they have concerns about the idea of a runaway convention. You get people in, and and and, and Senator Berger alluded to that yesterday, talking about it. Concerns that, you know, it depends on who the delegates are. You know, you could end up with people with left-leaning ideas that might put something into the Constitution. No, of perish course, the thought. That's not how it would work, of course, because the states still have to ratify. Right. What they do. So <clears throat> it's not like they can just rewrite the Constitution wholesale. But you know what? Some scholars, including former U.S. Chief Justice, Justice Warren Berger said, that's not necessarily so. Mm. It's not clear what they can and can't do once they get into the building. So, don't know. Interesting.
1: All right. Yeah, so there's some downside is what you're telling me. (laughs) Well, you know,
0: I don't know. I guess it depends on how you read it. Um, Some all kinds of fun bills got filed recently, including one of my favorites, Jason Sain's perennial Keep us in Daylight Savings Time.
1: Yeah, and so we're springing forward this weekend.
0: Right, we're in standard right now, so we're springing forward this weekend into
1: Daylight Time. Into Daylight Savings yeah. Time. I don't know which is which. So we keep us on Summertime. Okay. Well,
0: round Year-round. Year round. Um, I got to tell you, I get more emails about this than I do probably any other story.
1: Yeah, I, I guarantee you that that's a bill that, that gets your name in the newspapers. Uh, it's a,
0: every time. Yeah. Every time. We do a story on it, every time I get emails about it. Every time.
1: I'll run through a few others. Uh, Senator Corbin and uh, John Bell in the House have both filed a bill to require four-year degrees for fewer state jobs. Uh, That's going to be in committee Tuesday, I assume, based on the names and based on the fact there's a bill in each chamber, that that's probably a goer, uh, particularly given what we've talked about, the difficulty recruiting. And the names. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jim Perry, again, has filed a bill to ban lobbyists from the Board of Governors. Quite a few members of the Board of Governors are now or have been lobbyists who lobby the General Assembly. The General Assembly appoints, appoints the Board of Governors. Seems like a little
0: conflict of interest. I don't know. What do I know?
1: Yeah, Perry filed that last session, too. I don't think it went anywhere. Don't expect it to this year, but mentioning it anyway. Michael Garrett and Gladys Robinson in Guilford County, a bill to undo uh, one of Senator Trudy Wade's legacy bills. For folks who remember her, uh, she pushed for years and finally got a bill that allows local governments in Guilford County to advertise stuff on their websites as opposed to in the local newspaper, which you know is a big revenue hit for the local newspaper. Uh, Garrett and Robinson want to reverse that. They're Democrats. I doubt that passes.
0: Yep. And then uh, there's 100, and $100 million dollars for school nurses um, coming from Gail Adcock and Cynthia Ball's Senate in- and House. Um, it's hard to say where that money comes from, but it is true that North Carolina's nurse to student ratio is is laughably below the national standard for that. I mean, we, you know, and they say that this is something that could help not just with um, health in schools, but also with mental health. You know, a lot of times the nurses are the ones who who are the ones who notice that something's going on with the kid, maybe calling social services, helping to connect that kid with community services and that family, you know. And we don't have the nurse or the social worker, you know, then you don't have that connection being made.
1: And that's right. And I, I, I think you'll probably see some school nurse money uh, in the budget uh, uh, on top of what we have. I don't know about $100 million because the $100 million is on top of what we already do in this state. And just, we, I, we talked, I talked earlier about how fast money goes, just some back of the envelope math. Let's figure $80,000 for salary and benefits for a school nurse. I'm pulling that number out of the air. Yeah, I don't
0: think it's that high, but okay.
1: But So I, I'm trying to be conservative. That's tw- 1,250 nurses. There are more than 2,500 schools in North Carolina. And then you also have the question of, well, do we have, 1,250 nurses we can put in schools because we just talked about a nursing shortage and we just talked about a difficulty building the pipeline of nurses because of what we're trying. We can't pay community college instructors to train nurses. So it's all tangled up. Yeah. This is what people mean when they say you can't just throw money at problems. Although I would would note, as Kurt Vonnegut once said, why throw money at problems? That's what it's for.
0: Um, and then we should mention uh, Woodard and Murdoch have a, a bill in there to upgrade the water plant that serves RTP
1: yeah, 25 million dollars I, I I am looking for more information on that would love to know you know the I, I was I was of the understanding that RTP had lots of very rich corporations uh, in it. I don't know why the taxpayers need to spend 25 million dollars to upgrade their water plant but perhaps that is why they're in RTP one of the reasons so I I look forward to more information on that one. Also, uh, a, a bill that would streamline reviews for apartments. Uh, this is a bill that's been back, that, that's been at the legislature before Steve Jarvis in the Senate has it, uh, where I believe the way this works is you can hire your own engineer if your local engineering department is is not Johnny on the spot enough to move plans forward. Uh, that's uh, H332 and S275. That bill is back. It's been controversial in the past, but I th- we're almost certainly going to see the legislature do something to speed up the building permitting process in municipalities and counties. I, I've heard that over and over again uh, from developers and from lawmakers that there are changes that are needed to because we have a housing crunch Yeah, to build more housing faster.
0: Yeah. Well, we have a housing crunch, and we have a lot of underfunded local governments that don't have the staffing right. available to keep up with a normal demand, and we're not at normal
1: demand right now. Right, right. Next <laughs> week, uh, like you said, busy one. Medicaid going to pass the Senate
0: very busy and also we're expecting to see the governor's budget come out normally we would expect to see that the same week as the governor's state of the state but this week was acc so what do you want
1: um, <laughs> i had not made that connection oh, come on he
0: was there he was busy right no nah, he was actually he was at uh, the governor was at alligator river bridge yesterday with um, usdot officials talking about federal funding so it was a busy week for the governor as well um also we're going to be seeing um the crt bill coming back up this is torbitt's bill
1: this is the one that limits uh, how we can talk about race right. in the classroom, essentially, uh, at, at K-12 schools. That's
0: in committee on Tuesday, I think. Uh, you noted a bail bond reform bill.
1: Yeah, there's a bail bond reform bill in committee Wednesday. It's an agency bill. I haven't read the bill. But uh, you, you see the words bail bond, and you, two other words ought to pop up in your head. Compl- complicated and controversial. So right. that, that I don't know how much ink it'll get, but that one is always... Uh, Something's always going on, and of course,
0: and of course, there is the um, the Supreme Court rulings as well, well, hearings, hearings.
1: Yep, yep. And that's about all I've got. uh, It's a gracious plenty. Yeah, it sure is. Almost thirty minutes.
0: All right. Well, we will. um, Thirty minutes,
1: thirty billion. We got we got a budget cap ourselves.
0: Anyway, thank you for joining us, and we will fill you in, of course, next week here on the wrap.